is it really true? Could what? it be happening? Say what? That it, it's all working? Oh, no. Quick, go buy a lottery ticket. Oh, Jesus. Apparently, we're in a spicy mood since you said to remind you of hot sauce. Yeah, hot sauce. That's what oh, I know. See, I, w- I didn't write it down. Hot sauce. We, well, you did, and we reminded you. <laughs> you wrote it down somewhere, and that's all that counted. Okay. Sorry. Okay. No uh, yes, we're feeling in a spicy mood, um, for sure. Uh, you're going to need some picante, even no matter which ga- way your game goes. Um so I have some food questions for you guys. And then after that, it either becomes just hangout time and we can talk about some games or we could get deep on the uh, previous thing that I have talked about with the old consoles and the TV and the NT mini and all that. So kind of uh, what are you thinking? I mean, we uh, could do that. I mean, yeah, I'm not we, set on talking about any of this other stuff. So, OK, yeah, then let's it's been on the list for a while. So it has sat there for a bit and um it's somewhat pertinent to me currently. So, so uh, when you hold a bottle of hot sauce in episode 328 of We Were Gamers, I think you must hold it high over the table and shout that your right arm trembles. Someone this- unlocked. Someone unlocked a smithy, huh? I just- <laughs> <laughs> That's a uh, Champions of the Continent reference for everyone that already knows that. That guy I chuckled. That guy's crazy. He's like literally crazy, I think. But hey, he makes um, good weapons, I hear, Michael. He gives you a bad accessory. But those. Yeah, he does I, that too. I think those, all those um, exchange memory shard things are supposed to be from him. Also. Not just the weapons you would normally buy. I see. Yes. Yeah. Because he talks about the ones in there called the Stamp Series or whatever uh, being his thing. Whatever. Uh, Champions of the Continent. We uh, we do this right now. Two minutes, right? Two minutes at the top. Sure. Uh, all the yeah, time. And then we're back at hot sauce. Uh, two minutes at the top. My two minutes, I'm going to say uh, they have done so far with Master of All, which is a storyline in the game. A good job through episode six of making the things much more bite-sized the characters talk and then you get a break right like if it's going to change scenes they let you stop in the middle of that instead of like going through 25 minutes of it like early on in the game so someone got to them and said this is a phone game guys i think that the big difference here is they aren't forcing you into dungeons right there are other dungeons uh, that you'll get into eventually, and you've probably have already been into some, but they're pretty short. Oh, for but the, some of those uh, earlier dungeons are for sure. Yeah, some of those yeah. earlier dungeons are quite long, and getting forced into them, like kind of, you leave and then you're back outside. You know. Yeah. Well, even even just the story parts where it's like it's uh, King Partis talking to the Jester or whatever. Uh, you know that scene, and then it jumps to. 
King Solon, well, in between those two things, you get a break instead of being like, well, let's just do the whole story, you know? Uh, yeah, true. Man, man, what a story. They just let him loose, huh? They're just, Bro. yeah, it's, it's all <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah, they did. They it's really do, just, don't they? Uh, you just take every a, uh, expectation and just, you know. They've got a George R. R. Martin approach to character survival. Man, they do. They really <laughs> do. Don't get attached. Dude, gosh, man. <laughs> I when you sent that message to us that you had beaten a certain chapter, yeah. I, I knew exactly what you had seen just a second before that. I was like, Oh man, he just saw this and I was like, Damn. Yeah. I, know I really how it feels. I, I really knew for two chapters who the mystery character was, and then it's like we sure, know that's not the twist though. Yeah, the they're twist not, yeah, is they're not hiding it. That was the thing that was the most surprising thing. It was like yeah, yeah, yeah. We ended a chapter on the twist, but the twist is that we knew you knew, and therefore here's another twist. It's like that hard pan to oh, the sky. Oh god. Yes. And then just the like very anime shoot the camera to the sky while birds fly, you know? Yep. Oh man. What a day. That's my two minutes. Anybody else has two minutes? You check it. Sure. If yeah. Not, um so they just released new story content last week um so i played through the new chapter which was good um there's a there's a cool fight uh at the end of that um that's master of sorry bestower of power bestower of master bestower of power chapter one so we had master of power before and now it's back to bestower of power yeah, so it splits back out into three separate storylines. Oh, the reverse funnel. Yes. It's, we've we've gone through the, the neck of the hourglass. Mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, so yeah, now I'm just working on upgrading some armor on my characters. I finally cleared a big, significant chapter uh, in the Master of All storyline. I was very happy with that. Uh, and I died on that boss several times, so it felt really good <laughs> to finally get past him. It's ba- it sucks when you die on the bosses, though, because you know you're gonna have to go back through that whole dungeon again, man. Uh-huh. Well, if you think you're not strong enough to do it right away, right? No, I mean it's like I was pretty sure I was good in terms of levels, but you know stuff had gone wrong or I screwed up and something happened and uh-huh. my people died. And Don't you like, have well, the continue option that just puts you right back there? You want to spend those rubies? I'm not spending rubies. Oh, uh, I didn't continue I've spends never, rubies. I've never yeah, clicked it. I've never clicked it, so I didn't know. Yeah, so Is you that, do have that option, and every, it will spend yeah. rubies, and then yeah, you don't have to do that again. But I, uh, I ain't doing that. No, I wouldn't either. I didn't know that. So uh, yeah, I've never had a loss and thought, oh, I should just go back immediately and start over uh, because I could beat it right away. I've had the loss and been like, ah, eh, I could like retool some equipment and run through the dungeon again and go back the next day or something so yeah and i mean like you know i would i would like make some very minor changes that really had nothing to do with my eventual success in the fight yeah i mean i guess i you know bought one more piece of equipment or something in between there but yeah that wasn't the reason so but yeah yeah, without my excitement (laughs) Without spoiling it, Andy, there is there is something specific that makes that dungeon a little more tedious to redo. Oh, okay. Boy, sure does. <laughs> oh, no. 
Don't do that to me. Oh, well. Okay. Well, there's your Champions of the Continent. Two minutes. We're not falling back into the old trap of uh, of Hearthstone. <laughs> Where, uh, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, people that don't know what I'm talking about, because some people have emailed and said, or made YouTube comments and been like, oh, wow, I just discovered your stuff. Um, work your way backward if you're a new listener. Don't don't start at the you know a lot of people like start a podcast like I got to start from the start. Um, you know maybe I'll find time to do lists for things like the Christmas not Christmas but end of year like things of the year episodes and all that sort of stuff and put those together on YouTube. But like I don't think people should listen from the beginning necessarily. Work your way back. It's funnier that way too, in my opinion. All right, I mentioned hot sauce. Yes, I have. Tell us about the hot sauce. I have our next get together, gentlemen. Okay. My birthday is around the corner, and I was gifted a set. It was a large set. You can make. You get six bottles, and it comes with something like twelve different hot peppers and powders, and you can make your own hot sauce blends. Cool. Oh, I like that. So you can, you know, combine flavors, do taste tests, and then we, I think we should do a get together where we in uh, our very varied but uh, similar tastes uh, come up with three different flavors and see what they go with. You know what I mean? That's be fun. That's yeah, hot sauce. Hot sauce 101. You know, you see if you accidentally end up making, uh, Tabasco. (laughs) (laughs) As long as you don't end up making the bomb. Oh, no. I don't find it too likely that I would make Tabasco because it's not usually my preferred uh, hot sauce. But the flavor is good. So it would be... You could certainly do worse than making Tabasco. (laughs) Uh, You could probably, but there's a lot of different peppers in here. So uh, that's number one. Number two, I have a, uh, is it a food crime question, but it's kind of unique. It's not about specifically a food, but about what you do with food and whether doing something with food can be a crime, you know, uh, physical actions like, Oh, I don't know, throwing it out or whatever. Is it a food crime to eat leftover sushi? Should you have leftover sushi, which I do not. Yeah, I mean, that's the first thing. But I like, mean, like, how leftover are we yeah, talking about the, the real next question. day? Because the next day is fine. I have the done next that day? plenty of times. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, so obviously there's always leftover sushi, right? Like, at the sushi restaurant, they have the fish. It just sits in the cooler till the next day, you know, if it's leftover. Yeah. But, like, sure. fully made sushi rolls and stuff like that, sitting in the fridge overnight for the next day. They've been sitting out during while you've been eating, etc., yeah, I mean, crime did you eat sushi the next day? Did you leave them out on the counter overnight? Or no, did you put them no, in the no. refrigerator? You put them in the fridge, but like they've been sitting yeah, out during your meal. It's, it's fine. Did you like <laughs> did you eat on like the dirt or like an outdoor area with like no, a lot no, of no. like airborne stuff? No, then but it's about as bad as sitting out anywhere else in your house. And your refrigerator has all the stuff in your refrigerator in it all the time. So you think it gets worse in there, like 
Maybe you need no, to clean no, your no. refrigerator. So then, yeah, it's fine. Hmm. Okay. I wouldn't go like more than a day, though. I yeah. Would, if you're talking like <laughs> weekend old sushi yeah. on Monday, I mean, I'm some like of my leftovers, not into that. Yeah. How long do you leave leftovers? I mean, most of mine I can leave up to a week because they're they've been cooked and. Yeah, yeah, sometimes you can stretch that to two. I think Michael, in okay. that's that's kind of where I draw the line. Though is beyond that. I think in our house we don't make a lot of stuff for leftovers. Like we intentionally make stuff that we have extra, then we take it for lunch to work the next day or mm. stuff like that. So it's stuff doesn't sit leftover too long. I've had ingredients to may sit in there, right, but not leftovers. Yeah. I did recalibrate our leftovers amount recently since. Uh, less leftovers are getting eaten around here so <laughs> okay uh uh and the last thing into the food minute and then we're gonna we're gonna switch out gears today to a different type of discussion for the rest ish of the time uh i want to throw out there that buying expensive kitchen stuff while also fun is is uh a pertinent decision if you're going to buy something uh, I pertinent to what pertinent yeah. to getting your money's worth. So like you've all heard, you both have heard of all clad the company. Yes. They sure. make expensive pots and pans. Um, they also make uh, kitchen appliances. I use their waffle maker weekly. It's expensive. I am going to admit and it comes with only a two-year warranty. Well, uh, those warranties can pay for themselves when your thermometer goes out inside the waffle maker. And all of a sudden, you look over and you can hear the heat popping inside of it because it has not started to uh, stay at a temperature and just continuing to heat. Oh, the regulator. Okay. Yeah, okay. Like a some kind of a thermistor or something that's like regulating the temperature. Yeah. 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 That sucks. Those <laughs> waffles were probably crispy. Uh they they the first batch was certainly burnt and <laughs> the rest of that day I was basically turning it on and turning it off to get through the day. But hey, uh those expensive companies often stand behind those warranties pretty quickly. So, that was nice. There is that a benefit nice. to companies like that. If you're just like, hey, I bought this very expensive thing. It's broke. They <laughs> will just be like, yeah, sure, whatever. Yeah. And I don't think it's, it. it's an investment for them, right? They want you to have a good opinion of them and their customer service, so you will buy more of their stuff. Hey, I just talked about it on a podcast and said their company name. So there you go. They made a hey, wise ki- investment. Where's the kickback all clad? Yeah. We need some, you know, where's that? Give me, send us the stuff. Send me the copper core pans I didn't buy. Okay, I mentioned that. Um, oh, hey, hold on, really quick, really quick. I had to talk about a video games, real quick. That that was going to be the transition, but okay. Oh, so oh, nice. uh, I'm going to talk about one that you weren't going to talk about, though. I'm pretty sure. And I just want to say personally, I'm so happy they're remaking Suikoden One and Two. Man, how cool is that? Oh, hey, that's uh, that's a good interlude. I mean, we're talking about a pretty old game there. But one that I was gotta, worth investing in. Oh yeah, those are those are classics, man. And I think actually, 
Well, it used to be the case. I don't know if it's still the case that disc copies of Suicoden 2 were quite expensive just because there weren't that many made. And uh, it was hard to get for a long time. It eventually came out as like one of those back compatible PlayStation 3 classics or whatever. Yeah, the weird thing about that, you can still get them because the PlayStation stores are still up. Um, you have to buy them on a PS3 even if you want to play them on a Vita. And you have to buy them with credit through your Sony account that you have to make. So, yeah. Uh, if you want a copy of both, you can get them for about $500. Maybe. Oh, only. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I, you know, I'll just look lovingly at my two copies on the shelf there of those. Oh. Uh, yeah. But the, rem- the remaster is both games. Um, and since it's coming out next year digitally... I'm going to go ahead and guess it's not going to be $500. You know, who knows? Konami, I guess. But, yeah. you know. Oh, uh, here's one feels for like just so we could in one for $100. Yeah. Uh, again, games that didn't get large printings back in the day. Uh, you still won't get a disc uh, with this. But uh, they have been putting out pictures showing the difference between the two. And it's not like they're just like putting the ROM on the PC, here you go. Like, they're doing some work. Uh, these backgrounds look significantly different. Uh, redoing spell effects and things of that nature. So the games look, like, quite a bit nicer. Um, folks can go check that out if they're interested. Uh, redoing the intro cinematics, stuff like that. So that's just... I'm just so happy about that, man. That's, those are, like, some of my favorite games. And so I should not do the Suicoden, uh, buy it on the PS3 to get it onto my Vita situation. I should just wait. Well, I mean, you can if you want. I'm not going to stop you if you want to play it on your Vita. Um, I think I still have Suicoden 2 on my Vita. Um, but I could get but, it remastered and put it on my Steam Deck. Yeah, that, yeah you should there do, you go. You should do that. That's going to be a better time, I suspect. But yeah, maybe the port sucks again. Again, who knows, right? But yeah, it certainly seems like it's going to be good. That's true. Yeah, who who will know is, uh, is only... And the, I mean, they're not the same game, but uh, you know that Aiden game's coming too. Um, yeah, uh, let me tell you though, they're not the same game, but they sure did heavily reference those games in that <laughs> Kickstarter. So they they wrote some checks, let's say, and let's yeah. make sure they get cashed in the end. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, okay. Well, speaking of old games that are emulated some places, but also yeah, sometimes hard to get. Uh, today is going to be a weird day where. I've been wanting to pick your guys' brains for a while. On carbon scoring, I've talked about, and this is going to be me talking for a minute, uh, and then we'll get into it. On carbon scoring, I've talked about um, some unfortunate business decisions, in my mind, unfortunate to the consumer, that um, comic book companies have been making and, and other people related to that, pricing out a lot of collectors from collecting and also kind of, I don't want to put the word crass on it, but crassly in my opinion, just continuing to flood markets with, with just endless amounts of stuff. They have two separate things going on at the same time, right? First, they are not just flooding the market, but like taking advantage of people who seem to have, no upper limit in terms of what they will spend and therefore just create more and more premium, more and more expensive, more and more rare things because they can. Yeah. Right. And then secondly, 
the normal tier price of base level things is creeping up because the demand for those things is high and it's not profitable to make good quality things. And so therefore the, the prices of those go up. Right. And then they fill that lower tier with just garbage, which yeah. then people will just buy because it's the thing. Uh, thank you. That's a good clarification as well of, I think in general, the collectibles market overall per it's sent me into a kind of a personal, well, it started as a crisis, but it has ended in a lot of cathartic decision-making about things. I, I don't, I don't think either of you have fallen in this category. I know Michael, you collected the smash amiibos, but like, yeah, you're not a deep collector of things no that was just like a specific set of things that had a finite pretty finite end to it relatively yeah uh jj yeah you buy some legos once in a while but i don't think i would rate you as a collector of anything really overall yeah i I have like small sets of things that i like for personal reasons or like stuff i liked for when i was a kid but by and large i like them because i had them when i was a kid not because you know they i think they hold some intrinsic value as a set or anything like that so right it's like a you know i like the one that i had when i was young i wouldn't buy a different one because it wouldn't have that connection to me and you also wouldn't then go out and let's say like you have those Suikoden's, right? Yes. You wouldn't go out and then track down every Suikoden comic ever made and the the Japanese right. box release and uh, the Suikoden right. action or the, figures. or And the Suikoden games that never came out here and like a whole bunch of other stuff. No, right. I would never do that, right? Right. And, you know, Michael's not out there getting every Amiibo or etc. There was a time uh, when I was a very personally broad collector of things uh like anything that was geeky and cool almost uh in pretty large categories you know like i started with comic books and that was the collector's thing and then toys related to comics and then comics and toys together and uh, my video game collection started as a small thing but as i got older and i could afford more um, like for the newer systems, I'd buy more and more and more games like that. And, uh, while never being financially in trouble, it was definitely something that, you know, like I spent a large amount of income on and did as a hobby, you know? Yeah. And <sighs> I think unfortunately just that sort of collecting isn't viable anymore. If, if you care about the collecting angle of it. Right. I think that sort of collecting probably died as I was getting into it, to be honest. Yeah, there's, sure. I believe there's it. a, I think, an idealized collecting of things that came about in the 70s and was put on a pedestal in the 90s of like, oh my gosh, look at these limited toys from the 70s. And, oh, they're in their original, like Star Wars toys especially, they're still in their original packages and this, that, and the other. And now companies trade on that stuff, right? They trade on the people who still want and hope that. And this does happen um, a lot, actually, still somehow. Uh, You know, you bought a toy in the 90s. One out of the 50 that you bought, if it's unopened, it might be worth a couple hundred dollars. 
you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, reference those two Suikoden uh, boxes I have, you know, over on my shelf here. Sure. Right? Right. Like, if, if you hold on to stuff long enough, it eventually becomes somewhat more valuable, and you have the chance, you know, later that maybe it's worthwhile, right? Like, significantly yeah. worthwhile. So since we're but, talking about video games, how does this connect to video games? Well, uh, I've gone through some personal metamorphosis on the collectibles in my home. A lot of it, 93% of it is going away. Um, it's just, I mean, and if you really want to hear the impetus of it, there'll be a carbon scoring at some point soon where we can get into the comic book part and what really thought, you know, got to me to think about ditching stuff. Just, I mean, I want to know. I want to know what that is. <sighs> Do you? I mean, you want to go through long it of now? a conversation? I, uh, no, it's I'm not. Interested. A, we got okay. We got some time. Yeah. I mean, I just I've, we people are you know this is normally the video game pod, and we have we have some video game stuff to talk about. But you know, um, it started, and I'll talk about it again with Ken and and Kit because they'll they'll they have some other stuff to say about this part of the collecting in that genre. But what essentially has happened is a series that had ended is called, we've talked about that show invincible on here. Pretty um, true. Yeah. A wonderful show based on an amazing comic book, an amazing comic book that ran a hundred and four, no, 143 issues. Oh, geez. I don't remember off the top of my head. It might be 133 issues. I have all you know, of them. Not relevant to the story. Yeah. So as they were coming out, I bought all of them. I even bought all the second prints and I tracked down. Uh, they did five or 10 retailer exclusives at the time, like to help struggling comic shops. Um, there were a couple li- artist line art ones that were done for special events. Um, like a diamond retailer summit and all sorts of stuff like that. I tracked them all down. The show ended and, and, or, and that was it. No one had any interest in it until the show. Right. And so the show comes out and the, of course the first issue goes from worth $150 to over $5,000 or whatever. Um, and I have no interest in selling mine or what, uh, what have you, because I have the whole thing. I love it. I, I, there's a very good story of how I got my first issue signed at a Comic-Con. I mean, it's great. I met Robert Kirkman, all that. And then the week after that show airs, they're like, hey, we're going to do these online. They had been do the company Skybound, who makes these things, that comic, had been doing online comic sales for like random issues that they just had of stuff like they had random issues of walking dead number one that they had lying around. It was like, here you go. We're going to auction these off in a random stream and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So for this, for this stream, they made special issues of invincible and it started off innocuous enough. Like, Oh, we're going to reprint the one with battle beast uh, and have attack Peter do a special cover for it. And you can buy it for like 30 bucks. Well, JJ, how do you feel about Attack Peter? I like him. He's been very cool to me so far. Uh, the one interaction with him. Yeah. So <laughs> I felt the same way. And I thought, that's really cool. I'll buy that. And then the next week it was like, okay, for like 65 bucks, how about a CGC slabbed 9.8 
signed by Robert Kirkman of Invincible number 10 or whatever. I was like, okay, sure, I'll buy that. And then the next week it was, well, for $85, how about an e-reprint of issue number one with gold foiling on it? And then the next week, you can see where this is going, right? Oh, yeah. Yep. Until they finally got to the point that they were releasing three a week in blind bags that were being auctioned against each other live that were going for hundreds of dollars. And you know, that's uh, sometimes sometimes there's too much stuff, you know. It's a story I've told multiple times. I'm not bitter about it anymore, but it was really the the they broke my back, man. I couldn't do it anymore. I have a lot of responsibilities, and I just can't pay for that kind of stuff. And like trying to be a completionist and a collector, it really, it really set a torch to the idea of being able to collect things. And so, um, taking a page from um, some family and friends, it really uh, helped me realign my desires to say, uh, what do I really value? And if I really value something that is collectible, I'll still buy it, right? I like. I love booster gold. So in trading a lot of these comics away, I made some money on them and I said, you know what? I'm going to go buy a CGC closed off copy of booster gold. Number one, boom, done. Now that's sitting on a shelf for me to look at instead of in a box. Better, honestly, in my opinion. Yeah. So, uh, that's the impetus for this. And it's funny that we talked about CGC because it'll come up later in what I want to talk about today, which is, I have in this office another collectible issue that I've been somewhat inspired lately by a couple people, including Tim Rogers's um, talk of the Mister and of other platforms. Something else I had been collecting recently—not recently, but over time—have been. I have an NES. I have an Atari 2600. I have an SNES. I have a backup SNES. I have an NT Mini. I have a Super NT Mini. I have a GameCube. I have a Wii U. I have... uh, You can see this list just growing, right? I have a Game Boy. I have an Analog Pocket. I have a zillion games for all this stuff. What is the value or where would you guys land on having all these things sitting here in this office? A lot of people talk about, you know, the maintenance that's going to be required for some of these electronics and uh, brand new TVs. You got to start doing things like for the oh Nintendo 64, right? I have a Nintendo 64. Well, you got to buy a special cable if you want to hook up your N64 with an HDMI because they they didn't originally do that so you have to find one that can upscale inside the cabling or get get one soldered onto the board because nothing really that i know of emulates an n64 easily not like a raspberry pi or mr or whatever um and and it's been kind of easy with the physical things the things that are easy to get rid of like i I had a host of star Wars toys sitting in boxes. Those were easy to say, okay, these are, I know the quantity of these and they don't fit on a shelf. Maybe it's time for them to go, you know, I'm not going to display a bunch of boxes. Um, all the video game consoles don't fit in one cabinet anymore. (laughs) 
Uh, sure. I mean, it's hard to fit yeah. the entire history of video games into yeah. an entertainment center, I, even. I mean, a big PlayStation one. 3, PlayStation 5, PlayStation, you know, PS Vita, uh, a Nintendo 3DS. I've got all this stuff. Is it time? Is is emulation at the point of saying, you know what, someone else that's really into this should maintain these things because whatever, uh, you can play them all on an emulator? Is it time to say, no, you know, it's better to invest in holding on to these things. Use your, you know, sell your SNES, but keep the Super NT. I, I'm curious, if you had access to all these things, what would you guys do? With- so sort of along, um, I don't know, Michael, do you have comments here? I don't want to. Yeah, I mean, um, I have considered the same thing as I have in a box under my bed, both my Super Nintendo and my PS2. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you can mod, you can do... The the market is wide open on all this stuff in terms of what you want to spend the money to do with them versus what you can get out of them, right? Like, you could find an old PlayStation and get it made into an X station. You could instead get a Mr. You could... So maybe my advice goes for both of you then. Uh, I don't have my childhood PlayStation anymore. I don't know where it went. Um, But I do have a PlayStation 2 uh, here, and it still works uh, to my knowledge, though I haven't used it in quite a while. Yeah, but if you buy a new TV, it won't because you won't have anything to plug it into. I mean, I may already not have anything to plug it into. I don't know. I haven't looked. My bigger point is my attachment to this PlayStation 2 is because it's my PlayStation 2, right? I sort of talked about that before. Like, I like the stuff that was mine that I have. So following down this path, there is something to be said for still having the thing and playing it the way you played it back then. Of course. So if if you have, you know, the means, which is, of course, the, like, overriding discussion on all of this, right? Having the means to be able to do these things, to play that PlayStation 2 hooked up to a CRT TV is going to, and, you know, I guess the, by the end of the PlayStation 2, CRTs were less of a thing. But, you know, a CRT TV was, like, definitely there for the PS1 stuff, for sure. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you have those means, you're going to get a way better feeling, you know, of nostalgia for yourself playing that setup than you will from running an emulator to a modern TV. Even if you emulate the scan lines and all that other stuff, it's going to feel better to you using the original stuff. Probably. I mean, no, I'm not you. I don't know how it would work for for you guys, but I suspect that would be true for me. However, you then have to balance that with the means, you know, in terms of the money and the space and the all that, but also with how hard is it to do that stuff? And it could be quite difficult to find good-looking, quality CRT TVs these days. Uh, if you can, yeah. If you even can, and you know, even if you can, they may be. <laughs> Way more money than you feel is worth it. And also, like, way the amount of a truck. <laughs> oh, well, and so, and I, I, you know, I sit in a multi-purpose room. It's my office and also a room that I game in and a room that I hang out in. And so, like, sometimes I plug an HDMI into the back of my computer and run it to the TV. Right. And I can't do that to a CRT TV. And I don't have room for two TVs in this room. Yeah, exactly, right? And yep. so that's the trade-off you need to make, right? You you need to get decide, okay, if I'm willing to give up part of this original experience, how important is really any of that experience at all? Right? Yeah. And 
you know, if you're not playing it, if you're not experiencing it the way you experienced it again, which was the memory that you had, the thing that you liked about it, if what you like is the game, you can play the game, right? There are ways to play the game. If what you're trying to relive is the experience of playing the game, then that's a different thing, right? And you need to go all the way with that. But if you're going to talk about, like, I like this game, you can play the game on any of these other solutions you have, Super NT or NT Mini, Analog. Um, what's the analog one? Pocket. Are there emulators for the Pocket at this point? There must be, probably. Are you talking um, the analog Pocket? Yeah, probably can run. I think you can run uh, those you know, Game Boy carts where you stick the SD cards in them. Oh, yeah, okay, got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you, uh, if you then, can't already jailbreak it and run everything just on an internal SD card anyway. Uh, you know, and then you have your, you know, your misters and things of that nature, which are just basically built to be, you know, uh, anal- or, uh, emulation machines. And I think that like, you know, if you, if you were willing to compromise on some of the experience, but you still want to have any experience more than, you know, if what you're just looking for is a way to play the games and you don't care about like, you know, feeling like the experience did when you were a child or younger, then I think at that point, well, the emulation is like a fun thing that you can pick up, but you have to be willing to commit the time and effort to like, you know, monkey around with it. A lot of the emulation stuff is not as straightforward as you might think. It's not like plug it in, turn it on, press go, and it works. <laughs> yep, right? Like, especially stuff like a mister where you have to like get good at Linux and like learn how, you know, the download cores and, and you know, do that sort of stuff, move files around in the right places, get it to boot so you can have the USB and the HDMI and this board and all this sort of stuff, right? Like, it's not, it's becoming easier, but it's not exactly like no effort, just like, you know, press and go. Whereas I think something like the NT Mini is a lot closer to that, right? Where you just, you keep the, if you're interested in keeping the carts around because you have some kind of attachment to them, right? Just stick that cart in there, press go, there you go, you know? Yeah, so, the yeah. I, I get it. Yeah. And, and following on that question, it is then do you, do you dump the system and keep the carts? I mean, that, that seems to almost sacrilegious, right? Like if you still have super Nintendo carts, but you don't have a super Nintendo or is it like, well, why, why keep it if it's just taking up space and you can't use it? And then you, you know, Oh, okay. Maybe the mister's too hard. But like the Super NT, you can just plug an SD card into it and you're good. You don't actually need the carts. So like, am I gaining anything by keeping the carts? I mean, you can use the Super NT to dump your carts onto the internal anyway, right? Like it it has that capability. So make your own ROMs. You don't even need to have an SD card at that point, right? Although maybe you do need to store the stuff you create. I don't know how the Super NT works. Yeah. Um. You know, it, the the levels are there for you to pursue it as far or as not far as you want, right? But I think you have to come to some sort of decision for yourself about how much you care about the game and the the playing of the game versus your experience of playing it. And, like, deciding where you fall on that line is going to dictate a lot of the answers to these questions, right? If you're like, I, what, I, what I want out of this stuff and having it is to, like, to be able to play again and to remember the experience of how I played it when I was younger or hey man I think this game is just good and fun and people should play this game and those are those are going to lead you down different paths here yeah, yeah. I think I think 
something to consider along along with all of that is if you if you need something more than say a cable something you know more involved more expensive than the level of a cable to get one of those old systems up and running is it more worth your money to invest in something that lets you for instance pull a rom off the cart and have it in a digital format that you can then play on an emulator yeah i think yeah, the question a, is is even point. yeah absolutely and i think that question is is epitomized uh, easily by the n64 because the, the the super nintendo and the nintendo entertainment system and we're talking only about um nintendo platforms here basically because personally they're more pertinent to me um i had loved my playstation but most of those games that i had on playstation 1 and playstation 2 i have rebought on playstation 3 and for my vita and i currently have a way to play them and they hook up to an hdmi based tv and i don't feel pressure to get rid of that right um a lot of that Sony stuff is remade even so that you could download it onto a computer. Um, and because I don't feel that for those, we're only talking about Nintendo and, and because we're only talking about Nintendo, super Nintendo and Nintendo entertainment system have a lot of options when it comes to emulating stuff or playing it, you know, like you've got, you've got probably five other companies that do what analog does like the super NT and the NT mini. So I don't want to just shout that one out, but those are the ones I, I own. Um, you've got, you've got like five other ones that do the same thing where you could read the carts, you could dump the carts, you could put in an SD card, you could do whatever you want. And it just is the thing and runs the things and puts them onto an HD TV. Right. But Michael's yeah. point yeah. is more served, I think, by talking about the N64 for a minute. One of the carts that I sometimes love to just look at is my gold Zelda carts from the N64, right? Yeah. They're just cool. And I like having them around. And I even, I think I have, except for maybe the NES Zelda. I think I have every Zelda physical game ever made and all the way up through Breath of the Wild. I even have disc for or the the physical Breath of the Wild, right? The the cart. You have all those handheld ones too? Maybe. Oh yeah, dude. Here I can open the drawer and read them off to you if you want. Uh, oh no, I'd, I'd <laughs> fan, it's fine. That's Phantom Hourglass. Oracle of Ages, Oracle oh. of Seasons. Oh, I've got yeah, I've got all those. Uh-huh. Minish Cap. Yep. Uh, Minish Cap and no, which is the other one? The small. There's two games. One of which I have digitally because I have it digitally, and the other one it has to be digital. There's like a. There was a game that was made for the DS, the original DS, I think, and it was given out as a reward for like Nintendo. You're talking points. about. There were like two that for like very early adopters of the Nintendo platform, there were like two Zelda games given away for free uh-huh. to those people. And I think one of them was Minish Cap. I don't know what the other one There's was. There's one that was download only. I have even that on my 3DS. I worked through three DSs, like transferring and transferring and transferring to get that on my 3DS. Mm. Uh, 
so that you know that's a side discussion of like okay so let's say we decide that i'm getting rid of all my game stuff and emulating it do i keep those games separately and just display them yeah like that's a later discussion but the n64 either you get it modded by somebody who knows what they're doing and they they solder a hdmi port onto the back of it which doesn't give you the crt look you know like a TVs don't do that anymore, so it won't look like that. Yeah. Right, but like an NT or or even the Mister can like fake the scan lines on the HDTV. Yeah, all, most emulators will have options uh, or ways to get those options. For so the stuff. so the N sixty four is really the one where you're left with like either you're gonna play it and it's not gonna look right because you have to go through a cable or you have to solder something on or you have to emulate it. And so, Michael, to your point, does that does that then mean that, like, well, the N64 is just not worth it? I think it's a question of, you know, we talked about, like, you know, which experience you care about. But I think it's also worth considering, how are you actually going to play it? Of course not. I have, I have way too much to do. So, in you know, but, you know... It, Given infinite time, would you make playing that a priority over something else? Given infinite time? I don't know what I would do with infinite time. Um, okay, like okay. if you had a lot of free time, right, would you decide to do this over doing any of the other things that you've been putting off for a while? No, I'd probably go first for, you know, like, uh, I don't know. Let me Trails open the sky. The- no. Yeah, trails in the sky. No, All right. I, what a good I'm, answer, Michael. Let's I'm much, yeah, I'm much trails from zero coming out this weekend. Let's go. All right. So, sorry. Okay, but like just opening my Xbox app on my PC while we're sitting here. I haven't played Halo Infinite yet. I still have two races left before I consider myself done with Forza Horizon. I haven't played Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy yet. I just downloaded Nino Kuni Remastered. Um, I still haven't finished the t- new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles thing. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, that's just the modern games that are sitting here. Then I've got the all the Danganronpa games that I just wanted to play recently. I, I no, I mean I could always work through a list that doesn't involve these old systems, and that's why it's a discussion that I started with collecting and not about playing. Yeah, so I think the like then the clear motive here is like you like those carts, and you you know you appreciate looking at them. You said that even yourself earlier here at this. It's pod. one or two of them, but I have well, but like then those are the ones amount. that matter. The idea of keeping something that you then can't play, right? Like this is what I was going to talk about earlier. I said CGC is going to make its way back to this discussion, and now it will. We've talked before about how it kind of seems silly to go get your games put in plastic and then they can't be played because they're games. But if you want to just have them and display them, well, what are they doing sitting out and getting ruined? Yeah. You have to decide if what you, what you've got is a game or is it a collector's item? There you go. I think that's the important. Yes. Michael nailed it right on the head there. Mm. Do you have a, a collectible, a showpiece, a thing you want to look at and admire and remember stuff about? Or do you have a thing 
that you're going to use and do stuff with. Are you taking that action figure out of the box? Yeah, it's tougher with a game, right? Uh, a game is meant to be out of the box. An action figure, what we talked, I was I was kind of talking about earlier, they trade on the idea that like if you leave that thing in the box, it looks, it's, it's going to be more valuable. Sure, but you know, the games also have boxes or jewel cases or, yeah. you know, things that they come with. Did you save those? Most of the time I have, yeah. Except for old stuff like NES's. You know, NES and SNES games, of course not. Nobody did. You know, it sounds a bit like you're making a collection there. Are those carts currently in those boxes? I agree with you. That does sound like a collection, right? Like, no, for the NES and SNES stuff, I don't have that stuff. And it didn't matter to me. And like, yeah, for most of my N64 stuff, no, none of that stuff mattered to me. I saved it for Zelda. It seems clear to me by even your own actions back then that there was stuff that you cared about more than others. And you have, I assume that that preference still holds. And it seems clear to me some things that you could get rid of. And yeah, maybe you would feel sad, you know, getting rid of your version of Super Mario Brothers 3 or whatever. But you would clearly be able to play that on the next time Nintendo releases a version of it on whatever system comes out next. We are, we are kind of in on that. any of 700 emulators. Like, <laughs> we are kind of in that no future, problem. right? We're in that future now. Now is the immediate time when it has happened. Every single company has now realized, well, those old games are really actually kind of valuable for people to have the ability to play, right? Nintendo is going to charge for it monthly. Um, PlayStation is making it part of their PlayStation 5 uh, new subscription service. Uh, Microsoft is investing in bringing games like that back as well to add to their subscription service. Those they are remastering, though. Um, you know, I, I think other than oh no, and Sega, what just re-releases it all on Steam? <laughs> well, didn't they? Didn't Sega also relatively recently put out their own mini console? Yeah, the mini consoles, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and then, you know, the other thing is like, hey, by the way, you know, Sega put out a lot of those games on Steam. They then delisted a bunch of those games on Steam so they can put them out again on Steam. Yeah. Like it's, you know, and they're doing this because, oh, those games on Steam came out for like, you know, the PS4 era and now they're making PS5 and Switch versions. And so their old ones are gone now. But like on the PC end, you're like, bro. <laughs> Yeah, I can still game. play it, but <laughs> I'm still playing Sonic 2 here. Like, what's the difference? Why does anyone care? And you know, from that perspective, like, if you can emulate a conversion of Mario 3, the one time you want to go back and jump in the Karibo shoe and like go running down that level or whatever, I don't think I need to play that on an NES because the thing is, is playing Super Mario Brothers 3. It's not for me the experience I had playing Super Mario Brothers 3. Where maybe there would be other games where I would feel differently about that. And, you know, as a result, if I offloaded my copy of Super Mario Brothers 3 mint in box or whatever, well, it wouldn't be mint because it would have been opened. But, you know, if I had the box lying around and I sold it, it'd probably be worth more, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. You, you can always find controllers, right? Like, oh, the original way to play it is with this controller. It's like you can find a mock controller that is the NES controller that hooks into a computer. Um, I mean, you can find you can keep the controller and find a way to connect the controller via USB without a lot of effort, I think. Yeah. Like those things exist and are not expensive. Yeah. It's it's definitely very recently that I think the calculus has shifted in terms of like 
I should hold on to this stuff so that I can play it because it's not going to be easy to play in the future versus, you know, uh, now just download the ROM onto any of a thousand devices that could try and play these things for you, except in very specific cases, really. Um, and I'm sure even there's emulators for the N64 that can do it, you know, that are more work than I think that Michael, uh, Michael's theory was if it's more work than just a cable, then maybe don't do it. I mean, I think N64 emulators are probably most of the way there these days. People are playing Legend of Zelda randomizers and stuff all over the internet, so I'm sure yeah, it's there are, there are some definitely good N64 emulators out there these days. Yeah. Um, I, I think more more to your point, Andrew, is that, you know, the this is, like, limited to a certain era of time. Like, boxed games aren't much of a thing anymore. And, you know, at, once you get past the PS2 era, maybe... Everything starts requiring online and having patches and updates and stuff to the point where, like, I have a boxed copy of Mass Effect 1 for the Xbox 360. Does this thing even work? No. Like, I bet it doesn't. <laughs> you know? It's like, if I put that disc into a 360 and plugged it in and turned it on, would I even be able to play the game? If you had a 360 to begin with, no. Well, I mean, I do have a 360, but, like, I Oh, I wow. Think Good for you. Yeah. That's definitely one of the uh, ones that I didn't feel any nostalgia for keeping anything. I was just was right. like, and see I you just later. haven't, I, I just haven't gotten rid of it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like it's like no reason particularly to keep it, but like, you know, maybe I can play some kind of version of that game, but yeah. it might not be the, the good one. Right. Well, uh, currently at, at if you subscribed to game pass, um, I believe that's one of those ones you can play for free on uh, EA the, play. If I wanted to play the Mass Effect Legendary Edition, no. what if I wanted to play the original edition? The original edition's here. I see it. Oh, okay, cool. On EA. It's, yeah, it's the original one. It's right here. You know, so there is something to be said for that sort of stuff, right? It's like, oh. So okay, is the like, Legendary Edition, by the way. It's also here. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Game Pass. Game Pass. An- another uh, free ad for Game Pass. And Mass Effect Andromeda is here. Yeah, crickets so I, I is the that, appropriate response for that. I think. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. just sailing on past that one. <laughs> you know, but I think that the you know the the cartridge stuff, the like physical box stuff, is becoming less and less of a thing. Even with the Switch, mm-hmm. you know, like how many Switch? You know, okay, I shouldn't ask this question to you two because, of course, you two do have a whole bunch of cartridges. <sighs> Let's see, I've got um, one. I'm not asking. No, no, stop Ooh, counting. Five, six, stop counting. Seven. No one cares. Uh. <laughs> But, you know, like, hey, there's, like, decent emulators for the DS and the 3DS these days. Yeah. Like, you're really going to keep that 3DS around when Nintendo finally shuts off the connection servers and you won't be able to get any of the that stuff working again? What if you had, like, digital games on that thing? They're probably just borked forever. I don't think so. The 3DS seems to run offline-ish pretty well. I don't remember downloading a whole bunch of patches for 3DS games or anything like that. But I I take your point. I mean, especially things like the PlayStation 3 where I have a lot of stuff digitally or like the Vita. I actually ran into an article that I think we'll talk about next time, which was like, hey, um, yeah, these things are starting to get to an age that 3DS and the Vita especially were part of this article where it was like, if you have a big digital library, you kind of need to protect these devices and here's how to do it. Um. Yep. Or uh, you know the PSP similarly, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Uh, if you have a PSP, friends, 
and you have a lot of digital PSP games, uh, go get a Vita. <laughs> and if and if you don't, please unplug that battery before it explodes in your closet. Yeah, I think you're you're both right in uh, in understanding my thesis statement, which is I had turned games into a collection. And now I'm wondering whether to uncollect what I have collected in terms of what's here, right? Like I, I grabbed all the things to make sure that they were all playable, but do I even care if they're playable in that way? Maybe not, especially given that the TVs and all that sort of stuff, I'm just not gonna go get a CRT. I'm just not going to do it. I'm, I'm likely upgrading to a 4k yeah. TV in here and that's not even going to have a uh, RGB the you know red red yellow white or whatever component cables yeah yeah composite Com- component composite component, component. Is, is five right or is that composite that's composite anyway. that's five things. <laughs> yeah uh i think the you know, I, I think you you're going through some soul searching here, Andy. And that's the point. Good. Yeah, that's what and we're it's doing. Important for for all of us here, but I really think the answer is just like you came to the heart to heart with all this other stuff. These aren't collections, man. You're not going to get new inbox versions of all the games. And even if you were, you know, even if you only wanted all the games that you personally played or something, you're going to find that that's not really something you're going to be able to accomplish without mortgaging your house. Of, fifth right. time or it's not five other times yes yeah. uh, just like the soul searching with the ju- yes just like the soul searching with the invincible stuff where it's just like they're reprinting everything it's it's not feasibly completable it's not like i'm gonna be like i can get every n64 game for me i'm sure someone else out there has an entire n64 collection that's great i'm glad you were able to do that i cannot and since i cannot what are we left with? We're left with a bunch of stuff that is currently playable. But what do we, what do we do with that long term? Do we have a bunch of stuff in a cabinet that's just sitting there? Or I mean, or not? Know, I, and my answer to this is I have some nice shelves that are open that you can see where yeah. I have all the games that I have collected displayed, right? And even if I never look at it again, I go, ah, that's my copy of Mass Effect 1. That's cool. Or there's my two copies of Pseudocode in 1 and 2. Cool. I was going to say, you guys will appreciate that I can, there's a little a little cabinet on this desk that I'm sitting at, and I can open it up and peer into it and see my original boxes for StarCraft II, uh, for the original Dragon Age Origin, and for the original <laughs> Prince of Persia. Heck yeah. <laughs> what a slate of games. That is, Dragon Age Origin get... might be the last PC game I bought that had a box. Oh no, probably Diablo 3. You can't That's get more than different that. than those three games. Yeah, all over the map, man. So you walk into someone's office or their game room or whatever, and on the shelf they've got an NES game, two SNES games, an N64 game, and they're all just sitting there on little stands. Do you then expect them to be able to play those games and be like, yeah, take it off the shelf, stick it in the thing, play it? No, they're clearly showpieces, huh. right? But they go, hey, I have this mister, and they turn it on, and then they load up the game, right? <laughs> you know? And you're like, oh, let's play Super Mario Brothers 4 or whatever, you know? Uh-huh. Certainly. Anyway, you get the idea. Sure. Yeah, you put the signed baseball on the shelf. You pull out the $2 baseball to go play catch in the backyard. There you go. Exactly. Yeah. It's not the same as the signed one, 
But the signed one is it's about the memories. A, it's still a baseball. The usable baseball is about playing catch. Exactly. I think we've landed on it, at least in a unfortunately utilitarian view. You know, it's like they just yeah. So uh, that means I think next week we're gonna have to discuss uh, what devices to try and play these things on. Okay, deep and wide sure. topic. This very yeah. yes is the ocean literally but you know um every day that i pay attention to somebody else who has heard this stuff before i mean like michael i know for a fact is the guru on nintendo and emulation i mean he's got the ds emulators he's got everything uh yeah i've got a fair bit of them solved already right versus hey yeah, maybe I get rid of most of the carts, but this NT certainly does the job. Well, uh, I think a lot of people have thoughts on this kind of thing. And if you'd like to weigh in on those, I would be glad to personally listen to other people's takes on like what you keep and what you don't as things start to age and you run out of room and you don't have time necessarily to do that anymore. What do you do with all, all that stuff? Uh, Especially, you know, they 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 go bad if they're not used, right? Like some of these things should go to someone that's going to use them. Uh, sorry, I got distracted. I don't know how I didn't understand that we were transitioning here. Uh, you can send that to podcast at wevergamers.com and we will happily read all those emails. Cause it seems like we got a lot more, a lot more to work through here. So folks, get those emails in and we'll definitely uh, talk about those sort of feelings here. Because I feel like we got some feelings to work through. It's uh, a tough, it's a tough, I mean... A lot of stuff you can, when you go back through it and you hold it in your hands, Marie Kondo style, you're like, okay, this doesn't mean to me what I thought it meant to me when I stuffed it in a box before my last move. But uh, eventually you will hit a critical part of your personality. And you're like, but I'm the game guy. There's some heavy uh, feelings we're working through here live on the pod. So podcast at webergamers.com, folks. Get that in. We're also on social media at We Were Gamers, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And social media, search for We Were Gamers, all one word, and find those just amazing videos that come out every week. I mean, it distracted me from counting down the minutes to Trails from Zero, so. (laughs) Jesus. Did they hit that asteroid yet? Yeah, oh, they yeah, did. Dude. We we swatted that asteroid away like it didn't know what was going on. Did it hit? Did it, wait, yeah, which, yeah, yeah, you can, yeah, you you can slap that asteroid out of, of the sky. Told it, get out of here. Didymus? Didymos? Okay, but did it move? Wait, what? Did what move? The asteroid. Oh, the... the Oh, yeah. Uh, They said the mission was a success. All right. It covered a thousand miles in four minutes. Holy cow, that's a big rock. Yep. It had a moon. Yeah, it was big. Dimorphos was its moon. But, uh, you know physics with no other resistance you uh you build up enough speed and you can slam a small object into a big object and drastically alter its course yeah how much did they alter it though i have yet to find that 
I'm sure you'll find it in somewhere more technical than the general internet search. Are we going to find out? I feel like this is one of those things that we, is a movie that we find out in 55 years. We accidentally set it on a crash course with another planet, and that planet gets really mad and comes and destroys us. <laughs> eh, you know, service right. 